Hello, listeners. My name is Mark. If you have been enjoying the Listener Lore episodes, please come over to my separate podcast feed, Lorehammer Listener Lore. On this daily podcast channel, I will be reading one story a day and sharing your creative works with others and giving my feedback at the end. So, if you like Grimdark 40k short stories, come join me at Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the show, visit us at patreon.com. And for as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron. Or you can buy cool Lorehammer products like shirts, coffee mugs, and dice bags at www.redbubble.com. Don't want to spend any money? Well, you can help out the show by giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also hop on over to Facebook and like our page, and feel free to send us a message. It's the only enjoyment Mark gets out of his miserable life. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, my name is Eric. We've got Christian here. Hello. We have Jordan. What's up? And then uh, last of all, we have... Um, I just don't know how to introduce <laughs> you, actually. Do I introduce us? Well, yeah, yeah. You got Mark Sakura. Okay, uh, Mark, thank you for you coming You guys back. actually made a small mistake in your last episode. You said I went to jail. It was actually rehab <laughs> for uh-huh. multiple personality disorder. It um, was Trevor that went to jail. No, no. Apparently, Trevor's me, I just found out. <laughs> He's not real. Apparently he's not real, oh, and God. I I've worked out for the past two weeks in rehab. Um, yeah. So please don't encourage me to call myself Trevor. Absolutely, thank it, you for joining us, Mark. It's been a while. Yeah, it's, it was serious mental concerns <laughs> happening. To yeah, me. we're enablers. That's <laughs> we enable. <laughs> That's, That's what, what this podcast do. is all about. I'm a potster. I stir the pot. <laughs> uh, today is a listener lore episode. Uh, so what we're gonna do is. If you've never read done one of these before, we're mm-hmm. just gonna we ask people to submit stories written in 40k, and we read them and uh, we critique them. 
and most so, of the time we don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> except the, the ones that I love. <laughs> right, except the ones that I like. Those ones I do like. So I wasn't on the last episode, so I listened to it, and it was funny because you guys are like, oh, I wonder if Mark would like this. So what was Mark saying? I just kept thinking, you don't know what the fuck Trevor likes. <laughs> I mean, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's showing up. <laughs> uh, so the first one we are going to read today um it was submitted by brody brody was the winner of our lore subject uh category at our tournament that we had yeah which was like what a month ago a little over a month ago now feels like that yeah yeah and uh so we just hadn't had the opportunity to do it we could have done it last time but we just wanted to wait till mark was also here mm-hmm. we could all do it together so we're I am each going to read one word yes, at a time. <laughs> but it's in a book, so we're going to have to pass it. Pass the paper the shuffle it's not yeah. right. It, it yeah. won't be good, but here you go, Brody. We all wanted to participate. <laughs> uh, this is the Libra de Venari. The Codex Inanis Venatoris, the Void Hunters. Here's a couple um, point ideas about them. They have an unknown gene seed. Their original chapter was mostly destroyed by the Eldar while they were in the warp. A very small contingent was found a millennia later on a small planet on the outskirts of the universe that was infested by feral orcs. The planet was a mix of several differing environments, allowing them to hone their skills at warfare in almost all known climates. They were taken back to Belisarius' call by the Mechanicum Exploratory Fleet. He offered to give them purpose if he would be allowed to experiment on them. Most agreed and were experimented on to see if the original space marines could be changed into Primaris marines. After all experiments and rehabilitation was done, they were put into the cryopods and reawakened with Reboot Gilliman's return. Some of these marines are standard marines who refuse to allow Call to experiment on them, giving this chapter a diverse range of personnel. They were given the task of defending parts of the Imperium from Xenos incursions, while the rest of the Imperium worked to defeat Chaos. Since their demise at the hand of the Eldar and battling the orcs on the planet they were stranded on, they became extremely violent towards Xenos species. Specialists in stealth and hunting their prey so that the full force of their might shall be unleashed upon them, they stalk the void to stop all Xenos who come in their path. A standard company includes six squads of five intercessors, four squads of five reavers, four squads of five hellblasters, three squads of three aggressors, three squads of three Inceptors, two lieutenants, one captain, three Repulsor tanks, two Redemptor Dreadnoughts, and three squads of three bikes. It's got that laid out nice yeah. in the book. Standard company. So I wonder if, so all his companies are the same? Yeah. No first, no tenth, none of that. He, he has a veteran. veteran he does company. have a veteran? Yeah. But it probably is just the exact same, just technically every intercessor would be a, a veteran? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Hmm. Read the next page and we'll yeah. find out. let's see. Ah, you're correct. The first company. The first company. Six squads of five intercessors, four squads of five reavers, four squads of five hellblasters, three squads of three aggressors, three squads of three inceptors, two lieutenants, a chapter master, an honor guard, three repulsor tanks, two redemptor dreadnoughts, and two squads of three bikes. Now, the honor guard are ancient marines with specialized war gear and armor, most highly modified aggressor, Mostly highly modified aggressor and inceptor armor. And the first company also has the ability to call upon multiple dreadnoughts modified for the original space marines of the chapter. And then read the standard company again. Just so I can compare. All, all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to it, Mark. Ah. <laughs> all right. Here is the history of the Inanis Venatoris. 
The Void Hunters have a storied and sad history, one that without the resolve of being a gene-forged warrior of the Adeptus Distardis would leave any man in a state of mad dissolution. Originally created to sweep the stars clean of all Xenos life one sector at a time, a mighty crusade was mounted with this new chapter at its center. Around their homeworld of Ferrum, in the Ultima Segmentum, the ships poured in wave after wave. Navy crews were readied for a long and strenuous journey through the warp. Astra Militarum regiments bogged down all the docks and ports with their massive numbers and towering machines of war. Even the Mechanicus were assembling a huge fleet in their own right, following and helping this crusade to ensure all worlds were probed for their potential manufacturing abilities and terraforming. It was a glorious sight to see from the viewports of the mighty battle barge, the Venandi, where the high command of the crusade met. All was going according to the projections of the administratum, and soon the Imperial Guard would be packed away with all the provisions necessary for this long, hard crusade. A small smile worked its way across the face of Heron Thraxus, chapter master of the Void Hunters. Soon he would be able to wage the Emperor's War, and what a glorious war it would be. Deep within the many ships of this crusade, hiding and waiting for the moment to strike, I'm only assuming waiting for the perfect You could assume that, yes. Strike. Yeah. Were the Eldar of a craft world unknown. I knew it was going to be Eldar. Yeah. <laughs> Their farseer had foretold of a wave of humanity in purple and black that would crash upon them and their many worlds selected for rehabilitation. They knew that to survive and have any hope of reestablishing their race, that this crusade must be stopped. A force was sent out to infiltrate and plant individual constructs onto particular ships, so when the warp drives were activated, the ship would be pulled into the warp. But as they crossed the immaterial plane, the construct would punch another hole through the immaterium, almost as a webway gate to the other side of the galaxy. As insidious as this plan was, the real killing blow was that a whole ship could not fit through this gate, and would subsequently be destroyed and crippled as it left the gate. This crusade was doomed, and this is where the tragedy of the Void Hunters would start. Heron and his first captain, Sajin, awoke in a daze of fire and emergency klaxons. The view from the flat of Heron's back when he finally awoke was dark with red flashes. He shifted his head to the side to see the screaming face and dead eyes of a beautiful young female deck officer who was reaching out to him in an effort to try and possibly be saved, but she would have no such luck this day. Now she lay there dead. Nothing could bring her back, and nothing could make it right. All that filled his head was the ringing of concussions and sounds far away, slowly drifting back to him. Sajan screamed, My lord, we must leave! My lord! My lord! Shaking her heron from his longing gaze of the women's screaming face. We have to get to the lower decks so we can get to our stormbird. All is lost. None of the ships survived the initial re-entry. We were torn to pieces by the warp. Finally, he snapped back from his almost trance-like state. Grabbing Sajin's hand and pulling himself up, he knew it couldn't have been just the warp. More was at play here, and Heron was going to figure it out. He spoke with purpose and clarity. First Captain, what is the fleet's entire status, damage reports, and casualty counts? Sajin blankly stared at him and said, My lord, there is no report to give. We have been broken. There is not a single working vessel in the entire fleet. Not one vessel is operable. We are the only vessel that has the capacity for evacuation, even. We have three stormbirds and a handful of escape pods. 
Our casualties are in the 99th percentile. We have less than 100 warriors that have their life support readouts still online. Heron kept walking, but in his mind and his heart, there was nothing but sorrow. So many of his warriors gone. He had trained them from neophytes all the way to full marines. All his brothers were gone in the blink of an eye, the warp swallowing them up and spitting them out. As Sajin and Heron ran to the lower decks, the amount of death on board was staggering. Panting as they ran, Heron dogged out, Sajin, we will find out why this happened when we evacuate too. First captain, where have we translated? Sajin glanced over his shoulder and said, I have no idea. We were spat out and all of the astropaths and navigators died with re-entry. None of the Augur arrays and long-range scanners survived either. All I know is that there is a planetoid that has oxygen levels sufficient for life. I don't even know the segmentum we are in. Upon this news, Heron knew that the coming journey would be a hard one, and that he would have to call upon this, all the skills, all of his skills, in order to save as many men as possible. Their lives were in his hands. At the Stormbirds, Battle Brother Icarus was loading equipment and injured personnel that could be sh- saved. The others that were too far gone had been given the Emperor's peace by the apothecaries, and Gene Seed taken. It had been a blur from the time he felt the warp drives activate to the warning klaxons and earth-shattering concussions of ship death that happened afterwards felt like seconds. He was in the hangar, and all had been destroyed except for three Stormbirds and some escape pods. Maybe 60 Battle Brothers had made it here, and half of those were in enough reasonably shape to be called battle-ready. A squad of scouts came running into the hangar. The lead scout came up to Icarus. Where do you want us, Brother Secundus? Icarus looked around and realized not a single sergeant was there. He was the most highly ranked member of the chapter at this moment. I want you and your men over there helping the humans with those crates. We don't know what we will encounter and we need supplies. The squad leader curtly nodded. As you order, brother. The sensation of being in charge overwhelmed Icarus and had a severe case of doubt brewing in his mind. That is, until he saw Chapter Master Thraxus and his first Captain Sajin burst into the hangar. They strode up to Icarus and demanded a status report. Icarus was awestruck that anyone from the bridge survived. It was a miracle. He snapped back into reality and started giving his report. We have saved as many brothers as possible, and humans as well. Many that came here were given the Emperor's peace as they were too far gone. I am sorry, Chapter Master. We have also started to get as many supplies as possible onto the Stormbirds. I have mapped out a plan to send the humans in the escape pods, each with a brother to help them when they land. The Stormbirds will retrieve them after we have landed and unloaded. Again, Icarus was beside himself as the Chapter Master spoke to him. Brother Icarus, you have displayed yourself admirably and have shown that you are a true leader. I commend you on all that you have done. I believe Captain Sajin will be in need of a new sergeant, as of right now you are acting first company sergeant. Now, let's get off this ship before we get caught in the planet's gravity well. As they descended down to the planet, Harum was looking at a data slate trying to ascertain their full strength. In total, it was abysmal to look at. He had ten scouts in total. He had one normal squad and one sniper squad. The tactical squads were even worse for wear, with having only one ten-man squad that was actually made up of ten battle brothers, all from ten different squads, lone survivors that were pushed into their new squad as they disembarked the ship. 
His most numerous fight numbers were the assault squads, with 30 Battle Brothers ready to fight. Captain Sajin only had five of his Terminators survive, a mix of close combat and heavy weapons from his, and his new sergeant. Icarus was a standout for the mere reason he had taken charge and organized their entire escape plan and done so perfectly. This gave Heron great pride that his warriors could think for themselves and function independently. Icarus also stands out in another way. He dwarfs most of his battle brothers, even the Terminators he is now with look small compared to his massive frame. We will have to get him a custom suit of Terminator armor when this is over. The tech adepts will be enthralled with how they will have to overcome this overhauling of armor, Heron thought. In total, he had 61 marines left and 50 humans, a mix of guards, soldiers, and navy personnel. Their mighty crusade had died before it even started. How this could have happened was beyond him. They were the only survivors and had no warp-capable ships with enough food on the Stormbirds to last gathering up all the escape pods. Things looked very dour indeed. All they could hope for was that this would be an Imperial planet with some sort of civilization on it. As he stared into the skies at the many small sky rocks, all he could hear was the roar of the horde around him. The sky creatures that came... What? Sorry, did I skip a page? Okay, I didn't. The codex is incomplete. No, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to read the last sentence and keep going. Things looked very dour indeed. All they could hope for was that this would be an imperial planet with some sort of civilization on it. And then break. Next scene. As he stared into the skies at the many small sky rocks, all he could hear was the roar of the horde around him. The sky creatures that came out of the star rock lay at his feet, and the large one was on its knees in front of him, barely alive. He could not understand the large warrior, and it could not understand him. But both of them understood battle, and both understood who won as he lifted his axe to the warrior's throat. He liked the warrior. He had given him a great fight, like any he had before. He would keep this one's head. Hopefully the other star rocks had warriors like this. As he picked up the now severed head of Grogskull, oh, as he picked up the now severed head, Grogskull lifted his great bone axe and gave the order that his horde had been waiting for. Wah! It's been a century, Haran thought to himself, a century of survival and hardship. My marines and I have tried to hold on to ourselves as noble warriors, but when you have to cast off all tradition and nobility in order to survive and outlast the greenskins, that is when you become less than your ideals. We are devolving, brother, Sajan would have said to him, if he was still here. We are becoming the savages that we hunt and kill every day. He would not be wrong. They ran out of ammunition within the first few months. Packs ran out of power for swords and mauls and hammers just after that. We started getting our human cohorts to manufacture us real weapons with the sharpest of edges. More humans had escaped to the planet than we had originally expected. We would have perished without them in those early days, so essential to our survival, and now the roles have reversed to their rightful order. We protect them, and in return they give us the weapons we need and the food we need, the hunt that we crave. The humans have come to call themselves Haranians, and we use them as scouts. This has been the order of things in the last three decades. 
After 100 years, we have become barbarians. The few brothers that we have lost would be disgusted at their fall into barbarism. We are still here, though, still fighting, still living, and that's enough for me. As my sword cleaves through the small orc in front of me, I search the field of battle. This has been a very dark day, and the omen was right. We should not have come here. My eyes fell upon the largest orc holding one of the humans by the waist and chewing on his upper body. This is the one I have come for. He escaped me all those years ago. The scar I gave him is still there, though. Deep and red across his face, it shows how ugly orcs truly can be. He sees me now. Hello, Aaron. Old Aaron to Orc Armor. You've been giving me lots of trouble, my friend. Lots of trouble. The last times we seen each other was what? 20 years ago? The time before that was at least 50 years ago. Every time I sees you, Aaron, you get stronger. I do love the times we spend together. By the look on your face, you is surprised I can talk to you. Sees I took us a Humi last time, and I made him teach me your tongues. I wanted to talk to you the next time I saw you. I wanted to tell you I the Grog Skull. Skulltaker is gonna kill you. He was right. I was shocked to see him talking to me. That didn't matter, though. He had killed my friend and brother, Sajin, all those years ago. Fifty years now. I have lost track of time. All I know is that this orc is who killed my brother, and I am going to kill it this time. Everything around us went silent, and I saw I was all that was left, and it was me and Grogskull. All my warriors and all his had died. I hefted my sword in one hand and unclipped my hammer from my back. It felt weighty in my hand, but it felt powerful. Well, Grogskull, the skull taker, come see if you can take my skull. It will be your last chance. As I said this, I shifted my feet. Grogskull tossed the half-eaten human warrior to the side and charged me with his massive cleavers that were attached to his arms, raised to slice me in half. He was three steps away when I did something he wasn't expected. I threw my hammer and my sword to the sides and ducked underneath of him. I tackled him around the waist and plowed his head into the earth. Grogskull looked up at me with surprise as I pinned his arms to the side with my feet. I want you to know something. I will beat your head in so there will be no skull to take. I proceeded to hammer my fist into the orc's mouth, all the while bellowing, This is for Sajan! My fists are pounding away then, right, then left, then right, then left. All I can feel the world is this. I fueled myself with a blood rage so deep that I found myself waking from a trance-like state. Covered in deep red-black blood, kneeling beside the corpse of a massive orc with a pile of meat and blood where its head should be. I realize that the sun is going down, and the last thing I remember, it was midday. How the mighty have fallen. I sit in my great chair of bone. Orc skulls decorate the throne, and the furs I have collected over the last years are around me. I wait for the newly come people we saw walking from the distance. My warriors surround me with their leather armor pulled tight and their shields and swords at the ready. Their dark eyes and the green tattoos contrast with each other. They are somehow more Astartes now than we ever were before. We have come full circle back to our origins. The sword and the shield, the tattoos of remembrance for brothers fallen, for other earned. The Hastam wear the heaviest of tattoos. They are the honored. How few are still here. Maybe twenty of the hunters are still battle-ready. 
the honor guards before me or my chosen few, the Hastam, my spears. Wherever I thrust them, my enemies die. Good that my enemies are few now. We would not last another full-scale assault. I hear the gasps of my people outside as the figures approach. I stand up out of my chair as the door to my great hall opens. I am shocked, speechless in a way. Before me stands a cohort of Skitari, bathed in their blue robes and smelling of precious oils and metals that I have not smelled in almost a millennia. The Emperor protects, is what I say to the Skatari ranger in the front of this cohort. He looks at me with as much surprise as a rock would. You are Astartes of the Emperor's creation. What has transpired here? He canted in a sweet sound of chirps and whir of gears. I am Haran Thraxis of the Void Hunters chapter. We were lost to the warp and spat upon this rock almost one millennia ago. We have endured so that one day we would be found and taken back to the Imperium to once again fight for the Emperor. After a few moments of silence, the ranger looked at me again and said the sweetest words I had ever heard. We are an exploratory mission of Forge World Ferrum Six. We will take you back to our ship, the Omnissiah's Will, to speak with our Dominus. With great pleasure, I look at my warriors and then at the ranger again. We will come. Let us gather our tools of war. We will meet you outside the city gates. We are going home. That's it. Cool. Cool. That was pretty good. I um, liked it. So, so that was set. So they came, picked them up, then made them into primary spirits, right? Uh, so, not all of them. Some of them, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not even made them into primary spirits, but at the very least experimented on them to on see the what Rubikai. it would take. Yeah. What it would take to actually make them into Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I assume that because, like... Calgar is said he's the first. He was the first to pass the Rubicon. Sure. I like to think that... Yeah, that is true. Um, that these guys, like, definitely had were experimented on, but weren't full Primaris until Calgar. Like, they put sure. in... Like, they gave one guy one of the upgrades. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they're like, all right, what's it going to take for you to survive this one upgrade? Sure. They do all those experiments. They find what it takes. And then on Calgar, he's the first one to get Everything. all three, right? Yeah. It could also just be like with Calgar, it was super sketchy. So they got these guys after Calgar already turned and then perfected or experimented on them after to perfect. I like that more than just giving them one or two. Yeah. But either way. Either way. I, I, I do wish that was open to interpretation. Unfortunately, GW has stated. Yeah, of course, Calgar, Calgar has is, to be the first. Yeah. But it would be cool to have a whole chapter that was completely like mutilated and experimented on. Yeah. Like and what other crazy side effects you could play with, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, that gate is not really open to us. Yeah, well, well, that's it, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Um, I like this. the The one thing I really liked was it had the flavor of forty k. There's a lot of like words like um like auger spanners and like auger arrays. Yeah, auger yeah. arrays. And they, they, there's a bunch in there where it was forty k words. Um, I wasn't on the last listen list, so I didn't get to do my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the one story written by side, there's just too much stuff that was just like, that's like what we would say, like, oh, his metal ass, like, yeah. you bet your metal ass, or you know, it's a very human saying. It didn't have the feel of 40k. It was just 
set in 40k well that feels very 40k because he, yeah. he threw in enough words the language he's using exactly yeah. exactly yeah. it's a little terminology it's kind of yeah. tough i think when like we have example like we know what augur arrays are yeah like we've heard of that before yeah. but to describe a scene and then to because if you've never like what's what would be a 40k way to say a metal ass you're you just wouldn't though yeah like that but shouldn't be it's a not thing. a phraseology that has why been not exper- it hasn't been used before and especially not with eldar yeah i don't want to go dive into uh, yeah, that yeah, one yeah. but, but no. i'm just saying i like that this one has the feel of 40k your also Ferris like keister your <laughs> keister that's the one Pro- posterior your fairest posterior <laughs> yeah. your gluteus um, maximus mm. there you go there's some 40k latin <laughs> exactly um I really like when they're just on the planet and like that image of like these super big Astartes wearing leather and wielding swords and shields mm, fighting feral half naked and ah. oiled up. And- <laughs> well, only at nighttime, not when they're fighting <laughs> orcs, but yeah. And like feral orcs on the planet, they're just like doing that kind of warfare. I, I really like that. I wish you uh, made a couple models like that, Brody. I was going to ask actually on that note of models. Yeah. Uh, he talks about specialized aggressors. Yeah. Has so, he actually modeled those? Or yeah. Not? Yeah. He's made some with lightning claws and a couple with thunder hammer. I think he's he like cross three. terminators with aggressors kind of thing. Essentially. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's cool. The war I'm, gear. I'm for it. Yeah. 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 It looks good. Like why would an aggressor not be able to hold a thunder hammer? You know? Because the codex is not allowed. <laughs> His fists are better. <laughs> Hands are too He's big. not minus one to hit with his <laughs> fist mark. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. I, I like the the mixing of uh, saying like, yes, we're better, but you know, it the give, old ways are still good. It gives a yeah. downside to the primaries, which is kind of nice. Yeah, like from the in in universe perspective of like why they wouldn't want to convert. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. Nice. And obviously, as you guys mentioned before, it's very well, like it's in book form. It's like a coiled yeah. book. It's on like high quality paper. It's a book. He it wrote a, a book. Yeah. <laughs> he gave us and a gift of his lore. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, that's really nice. Super high quality. We're building Is that his like chapter a, symbol? Yeah. We're building like a good it's little collection here looking. from yeah, from yeah. The we, we've been uh, we've been talking <laughs> about opening a PO box, a mailbox, <laughs> and then also just building a couple shelves on that yeah, wall totally. so we can just start stacking shit. Yeah. So that might have to happen here. Totally. It's a good way to get Eric, can we get a yes or a no right now? <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one, it's a yes. <laughs> Pretty sure I, I heard a yes. I, I heard, heard a, I heard a yes <laughs> yeah. too. All right. We're all gonna be able to go back and listen and hear the yes. <laughs> that Jordan <laughs> added it in, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Um, Very other, cool, Brody. Any, Thank you. Any other thoughts on that? Though, I guess the one other thing I'd like from model-wise is just, yeah, a couple of those holdovers of, like, the leather or fur on his models. Like, not going, like, full Space Wolves or something, but maybe one... Have a little more representation of it. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's such a huge part of his chapter history. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, they were on that planet for 100 years. and uh, like they, thousand. Did it say a thousand? A millennia. That, well, that should be changed, I think, to 100. <laughs> right now. You know what? We've got marker and I got a right felt now. Pen, we'll yeah. just scratch um, Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was 100. It's a millennia. I think, I'm pretty... I, I, I heard Eric say millennia. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, it would just right be Right cool. here. We were lost to the warp and spat upon this rock almost one millennia ago. Hmm. Okay. Sure. Dumb bitch. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if I mind a thousand years of them just battling feral orcs. 
and like what he said now there's only six alive but no. there's an entire human population the th- sprung they up would be some them. of the oldest marines yeah they would be some of the oldest yeah marines. it's yeah. it's it's extreme i think i think a hundred would have been yeah whatever that's not the biggest thing whatever it's upsetting. You know, you <laughs> I'm know what personally me, offended. Personally offended. You know what gets me even huh. more than that huh. is when people talk about going to the outskirts of the universe. Uh, actually, I picked up on that. I was going to be pedantic about that and be like, do, do you mean galaxy? Or does it's he actually 100%. literally mean? There is, like, we're all in the same galaxy. No. We are not at the edge of the universe. We're all in the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah, no, I know. And they're all in the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah, too. that's what I'm saying. The there is no, we've never was that, left. Was it just like left a the galaxy. phrase that he's using or is he? It's just, I've. It, this isn't the first time I've seen it. This yeah. isn't the first time people we've always, read a story where they talk about the edge of the yeah. universe. Yes, right. they're talking about like, ah, the universe. Because people cross the universe with galaxy in their mind. Yes, and the reality is those are two very yes. different things. A science can tell us. Yeah, there's mainly two schools of thought. <laughs> there are, yeah, yeah. One universe and one galaxy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd like to see some like just a couple holdovers, like just very minor, like a leather pelt or, or something. maybe like strapped to his back as his old shield or sword. Exactly, or something. just something super. Not on every model, just like on a special character, or a sergeant, or something like that. Yeah, where he but, has like uh, like the skull of one of his battle brothers. Yeah, he's got like a story about why he's yeah. carrying it or something. Yeah, because like in or they even do like the did they did like tribal tattoos or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like do yeah, they have tattoos? Have a helmetless guy and have that on him, you know, but only have one that has that on him. It's just something like that. Yeah, so, and then right next to it, tie a little more of the lore. star. Yeah, of course. That's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, no. The chapter symbol is four. Oh, point sorry. Star. A four point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Apologies. That's what I was saying is awfully heretical. Yeah. Well, this is if you flip the chapter symbol on its side, that X. What is that? It's the assault marine. Symbol. The assault marine. Yeah. yeah. So he just flipped it, and now it's the it's assault vertical. marine symbol, but it's an actual cross. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, next story. Oh. Quick, quick thing. I think that break was that supposed to be a flashback? Is that why there's an awkward I don't narrative know. There's break? a couple awkward, like not awkward, but it's just because I hadn't read the story before. Yeah. Like there's just a couple. I, that's things how I where pictured it in my head. Is understand well. Like one flashback is from the perspective of Grog Skull. Yeah. Right. And he's talking about the sky rocks, which was like drop pods. The drop pods, or I think more stormbirds and escape. Sure. And escape oh yeah, pods. yeah, because that's what he had stormbirds. Yeah. yeah. But like that's from like the perspective of an orc, and then there's also the last little bit is from Heron's perspective, but he's like it's internal dialogue. That he's doing, like I sit upon my great chair of bone. So there's just a couple changes in like tone and like meter that happens. I don't know. I don't know if any of them are flashbacks or not. I don't think I can glean that. Well, yeah, that's how I kind of like. That's why it was kind of a sudden stop. I don't know. I was trying to. I like to picture things cinematically in my head when I read it. Oh, most people do, I think. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> Shall we move on to the next story? Yeah, take it away. Yeah, your call, brother. So uh, this one is from Eric with a C. He's obviously spelling his name wrong, so Mm -hmm. you can just go Mm -hmm. ahead and correct that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't have a title, but it is the... Let's call it the... 265th Mechanized Infantry Regiment Force Organization. That rolls off the tongue. It does. It just... (laughs) The M-I-R-F-O. The MRFO. The MRFO. The MRFO. The 265th MRFO. Renowned Imperial Guard (laughs) Regiment of the Galaxy. All right. This one seems very technical, just as a warning. Preamble. Imperial Guard officers hailing from the planet Mulbrick, situated in the Ultima Segmentum, formed a mechanized units as a fast attack and response force to combat hardened lines of defense and a rapid reaction force to intercept an advancing force. 
The ever-changing nature of war demands units that can be on the move quickly and efficiently. Every guardsman is issued a lasgun, or the case of troopers with special weapons, they are given a special weapon. Which makes sense. <laughs> they are troopers with special special weapons. weapons. Yes. What do they give them? Like good names. What makes them special? Like uh, the special weapons. <laughs> they have special weapons. Yeah. yeah. Don't think so, about it so, too hard, Mark. So what? Uh, are they painted differently? Special weapons. No, it's the special weapons that make them special, yeah. and that's why they're called special. It's circular logic. <laughs> I don't know why you don't follow this. What came first, the title <laughs> or the special, or the special weapon? weapon. <laughs> Anyways, the standard uniform for every guardsman, whether or not they are combat arms, is a brown flak vest, helmet, shoulder guards, cloth and nylon, green uniform, and black boots. On every guardsman's left shoulder guard is their regiment's perspective number identifier. And on their right guard is their unit symbol. Rank is shown upon their armor on the right collarbone with black ink, and when they are out of uniform, the rank is sewn on their right collarbone on the uniform. Along with the weapon, they are to carry all of these on their webbing at all times. Three LAS packs with 100 shot charge, one compass, an individual metal kit, medical kit, waterproof paper, weapon cleaning kit, and one quart canteen. Along with these items, guardsmen also are given a field pack to store mission essential equipment, including a three liter water bladder to refill canteens hygiene and sewing kit, ration boxes, poncho to offer concealment for a mm-hmm. fighting position, waterproof blanket, and a wet weather top that can go over a fully armored guardsman. That's what I wear every, take with me every day. <laughs> every day. Yeah. It's essentials. <laughs> yeah. Just the essentials. <laughs> with this specialization in mind, squad makeup was arranged to combine equal firepower and maneuverability. The assault section, or A section, consists of five troopers and one corporal, armed with frag grenades, five las guns, and one grenade launcher. The support by fire section, or B section, consists of the squad leader with the rank of sergeant, one corporal, and two troopers. B section is equipped with one Bren gun, manned by two troopers, one grenade launcher, used by the corporal to mark targets, and two las guns. The las guns, which belong to the assistant Bren gunner and squad leader, totaling in 10 guardsmen. Each squad operates out of a chimera, crewed by three dedicated vehicle crewmen and not infantrymen like other regiments. A standard line platoon consists of four squads of infantry and one command section. The command section includes the platoon leader, staff sergeant, and three troopers. In the command section is one medic, radio operator, platoon leader, and platoon sergeant, all armed with las guns and also a special weapons trooper armed with any special weapon, depending on what their mission entails. A full-strength platoon has 57 command sec. Sorry, 57 guardsmen, including the Chimera crewmen. When the platoon is on the move, the command section will split its personnel between the four Chimeras, negating an incident of a Chimera to be destroyed. I lost my place. (laughs) (laughs) I marked it for you there. You were reading. (laughs) No. Did you blink? Do you have it? Are you back? When the platoon is on the move, the command section will split its personnel between the four chimeras, negating the incident. If a chimera were to be destroyed, the platoon will still be operable. There you go. There are three line platoons in each company. The headquarters platoon holds the company's administrative, communication, supply, and heavy weapons duties. Heavy weapons assigned to the headquarters platoon include a squad of three 60-millimeter mortars, three rocket launcher teams, two autocannons, and one heavy bolter. Before a mission, the platoon commander is expected to distribute each weapon team accordingly to the three platoons. 
Guardsmen entrusted with supply duties are expected to keep track of all the company's supply needs, including ammunition, food, fuel, and everything else it would need to operate. When a resupply is needed, the platoon commander will send a report to the regimental quartermaster, who will then send the requested supplies on their own trucks. The job of the communications expert is to upkeep all the company's radios and keep in contact with battalion or other units. Lastly, guardsmen in charge of the administrative side of the company keep count of casualty numbers, promotions, and enemy contact reports. Headquarters sections are assigned two supply trucks and four chimeras. Companies are led by a captain, an executive officer, and a master sergeant who is entrusted with the morale of the enlisted and also to relay information relating to the guard in the company. These platoons have a total of 30 guardsmen. In total, a full... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Strength Infantry Company will have 213 guardsmen in total. In support of an infantry battalion is an anti-tank company consisting of three platoons of LAS cannons with the security personnel and a platoon of heavy mortars. Similarly to the headquarters company, this company is expected to divide their LAS cannons between its sister companies providing anti-vehicle support. One anti-tank tank squad consists of 10 guardsmen armed with one LAS cannon crewed by two troopers and a corporal with LAS guns, one rocket launcher team with one corporal and a trooper, and four troopers with LAS guns and the squad leader. The priority for these guardsmen is to man blocking positions and ensure that enemy armor can't operate. Other gear each squad is issued are crack grenades and mines. All guardsmen are well-versed in the operation of their weapons, have a deep understanding of the creation of cover and concealment for their weapons positions. Four of these squads make up an anti-tank platoon. With the command section attaching itself to squads of their choosing, the AT command section consists of platoon commander, Staff Sergeant, Radio Operator, and two Special Weapons instead of a Medic, saying that they will be attached to a platoon with a Medic. Guard officers decided, de yeah, guard officers decided that the distance he would have to travel in between each gun position is not worth assigning one. Standard operating procedure says that one platoon of an anti-tank personnel is to be attached to a line company and support it in whatever area of operations they are assigned. Being that there are three line companies, whatever area of er, companies per battalion, this company can dedicate one platoon for each company. The anti-tank company's headquarters platoon is not arranged the same way as the line companies, saying that its platoon are split between its sister companies. This platoon consists of three heavy mortars that can be called in to decimate or enforce positions and heavily armored enemies. Other than these weapons, the headquarters platoon is a mirror of other platoons of its kind, minus the heavy weapons. The HQ platoon then consists of 20 guardsmen, somewhat similar to a line company. Adding up to the three line companies and one anti-tank company forms an infantry battalion. This formation is commanded by a major, his or her command staff, senior sergeant, who receives reports regarding the enlisted, and a ministerium chaplain. 
The priority of the battalion command staff is to delegate mission essential information, assign operations to its companies, keep count of troops and equipment, and to know the disposition of its troops. 25 cooks are also attached to each battalion who are to provide warm meals for the troops when they aren't on prolonged mission. A platoon of guardsmen act as security and are often sent to escort leadership when they are heading to or from an area of operation. The number of personnel in an infantry battalion headquarters is 70 guardsmen of varying jobs. One infantry battalion consists of 835 guardsmen. The final and largest formation of guardsmen is a bridge, is a brigade led by the lieutenant colonel and his command staff. This formation has three battalions under his command. The brigade headquarters is the same makeup as a battalion HQ at full strength. A brigade is a force to be reckoned with, numbering 2,576 guardsmen. Three infantry brigades make up the combat arms of a regiment, with a vast amount of supporting units essential to the regiment's success. These units include military police, quartermaster supply specialists, combat engineers, anti-aircraft operators, signal specialists, medical units, and recon troops. A fully combat effective mechanized infantry regiment has 11,278 personnel. Words of praise have reached our ears about the combat effectiveness of our men, and women we sent to the stars in service of our Imperium and our Holy Emperor. Our mission has been the same since our world's inception and will stay the same until our bones are but dust. The end. <laughs> Reads like the book of Deuteronomy. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot to unpack. Actually, I will say, um, obviously it was like light on the narrative uh, part, but uh, I think if someone is like designing a chapter or a lore around their army. Um, you should almost have like an encyclopedia like section that kind of breaks down the, yeah. uh, that does show this is exactly yeah, what like this is how they operate. For yeah, how yeah. It would be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like imagine someone who has no idea how chapters or battalions or brigades or whatever operate. Yeah. How would you give them every single piece of information they need? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think this would be better translated into a graph with just like, yeah, a bullet point beside like special things. But so whoever wrote this, I think either his name is Eric, first right. of all, <laughs> with the C. whoever he is, <laughs> um, he, I think he comes either from a military background or is like very invested in military stuff. Because even the, lang- the language he uses, though, yeah. is actually very like someone who has served probably would only use that kind of language. Sure, sure. Like, it, it just makes sense. And yeah. he's very like, no one else is thinking about the cooks of their military, right? yeah, yeah, unless yeah. you're actually been <laughs> Yeah, 25 like, cooks. Yeah, so yeah. he either has a background in this or he is... Um, very interested in it from an outsider yeah. perspective that he's like, he's what? He's a gun nut and he's like, it's tactical stuff. Oh, sure. Yes. But like history, right? Like he knows how <laughs> yes. units work and regiments yeah. actually work and battalions. So, work. okay. What's the, so there's squads. Is that the smallest grouping? Yeah. I'm okay. assuming this guy's American because like in Canada we use sections, but. So a squad is the smallest grouping of people and then you get. A well, you have fire teams technically are the smallest. I don't, I don't, I just didn't hear fire teams. I guess they yeah. do. They call them teams. Rocket launcher teams? No, those are two people operating the same weapon. Yeah, but fire teams are generally two people. Okay, but sure. So they have teams in here. <laughs> Except France, who has three men fire teams. Uh, uh, French men, you need three for every two regular. <laughs> yeah, I would call it a fire couple. <laughs> it was We're just, an alternative fire couple. <laughs> it was a little tough to try and put everything into perspective. Yeah, like like Jordan said, it would probably look better in graph form. Mark said that. Just so oh. 
You guys are the same to me. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it would look better as like more like a chapter layout kind of yeah. thing where things are organized into like you can follow the command staff, you can follow, exactly. you can track yeah. um, instead of like in paragraph form. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't hate super the idea light. though. Like, no, like it's a lot of cool information. Yeah, yeah. It's not Do laid I out care in, about in a narrative it? thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool obviously to the person who wrote it because they like, yeah. like I did this for my guard regiment. Oh yeah, too. yeah. Like, I, I have it for like, my guard too and for my uh, Imperial Knights I have the same thing. Yeah. Like, like I, I like this. Down to what every soldier is packing, right? Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, it's just a general interest. Like, tell us more about your planet that you're from. Tell us about. Uh, yeah, they were incepted. Were, like, obviously, there was a reason. The mission has been the same since the world's inception. Like, what? What was the, the story same as of every the planet's inception? To fight and right? die. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or like, did they pull from the people's population? Like, Is their you, planet super flat and like spread out? That's why they're mechanized so they could get could yeah. get around. Is there like, a reason? Well, they are a rapid reaction to, force. Sure, but that like, does that come from on high? Is that the planet? Where, where did you see that at, at the, the very, very beginning? beginning. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It just would have been nice to have one paragraph about some of that that history and not details of i i don't mind the details personally i don't either in audio content yeah, yeah like i'm just reading off stats yeah. more than like a story yeah, yeah. um again i don't i personally don't yeah. mind it the, but there's some matter. aspects of it I've, like the very beginning where you talk about like this is standard issue for the guardsman you describe like this is where their uh unit symbol is this is where their like that, uh, number yeah. identifier is yeah. like i i can picture yep. an individual wearing this stuff in my head yeah. but when all of a sudden you like you go from squad to squad to squad it just it gets tough and all jumbled in my brain oh yeah yeah i yeah. just i can't handle that the, the one <laughs> thing i do like and this is my final thought um is i think he did a good job with the scale of it a lot of times like it's hard to comprehend like the scale of 40k but like this one this one regiment has almost you know it has over 11,000 people in it where typically when you you know you see pictures of the battles you just see like the 40k tabletop and you see 50 guardsmen you know you don't I have a counterpoint to that so you like you think he did a good job I think he did a good job with the scale yeah Yeah. like so the issue comes to this is based off of like real world numbers. Sure. So there's no way. And the problem with 40k is how often they underestimate the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're talking regiments specifically, like is this the makeup of one whole regiment mm-hmm. in 40k terms? Like this is Do you remember we had this discussion about what is a regiment to a planet? Like how yeah, many yeah. Cadian regiments there yeah, are? Yeah, 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 yeah. What they're composed of? So, like, in terms of, like, galactic scale, 11,000 men is nothing. No, no, Maybe but he has... Maybe the planet fields right. 30 regiments. Right, but exactly. that's, that's my point. Right? Like, yeah. We don't know where this sits on that kind of scale. On sure, this sure, This sure. is just the biggest, yeah. like, there's no reason to talk about it has this many regiments, and this many regiments form an army, and it has seven armies on it. Like, there's just no reason to go into yeah, it. Yeah, because that would all change. Yeah. Sure, that, yes. But, I'm just saying, like, I do like the numbers, and they yeah. make more sense than... General 40k is usually underballing it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Your exactly. Like 100 guys. And like, yeah, and, you, ah. and they took a planet. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. That doesn't like, make any sense yeah, yeah. whatsoever. No, but I like I um, like that it kind of. Yeah, like this makes sense for that real grand world numbers. Scale. Yeah. But like in 40k, everything has got to be bigger. Or you have to have a ton of these. Oh, know, yeah. Like, like, the, uh, like there's the nothing K- wrong with saying there's millions. multiple. Like, yeah, like Kadian has like 450 different regiments in there. Right, but regiment. we don't. We never know how big the regimental right. sizes are. But even if you were to just say that. And some of the numbers I've heard are tiny. Sure. On okay. Sure. I'm just saying. It's all bullshit. It's all made up. It's I mean. all made up bullshit. 
So you're just not happy with the level that he did. No, 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 no. That's all you're I, saying. I said, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, Mark's saying how much sense it makes. And it does make sense, again, from, like, a real, real world perspective. But, like... It even makes sense from a 40K perspective. That because a regiment can be any number you want it to be. Sure, but a regiment of 100 dudes does not make sense in 40K. Well, this one does. It's a waste of Why not? planetary It resources. also had females, not just dudes in this one, too. Why? I'm sorry. It, we're, a, we're the new army, I forgot. <laughs> there's no reason that you can't say this regiment only has 100 people, because it means absolutely nothing. And so it just I don't understand what you're trying to say, I think. I don't know what I'm trying to say half the time. Okay. <laughs> All right, Maybe I was just taking a general shot at 40K's numbers. <laughs> I'm just we, saying, uh, should we move on to? Liam? I think we should. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I get heated when I'm talking numbers <laughs> in 40k and men and heated men. So uh, this story is by Liam. It's called uh, the Ludicult or the Cult. I'm not sure. There's two. I think it's the Ludicult, and then the first part is about the cult. Oh, I see. I see. Gotcha. It's like broken up. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I see. Okay, um, well, let me just uh, lost myself here. Here we go. All right, the cult. The Luda cult is less of a cult than it is a rough alliance of orc warbands, but not a wog. As the warbands all have their own war bosses and act mostly independently, but will sometimes trade, fight, and work together to acquire more and better loot. This cult is primarily focused on looting anything and everything as a result. Death Skulls make up the larger part, about 25%, of the cult due to their love of looting. However, the cult still has all warbands and orcs from all the other clans. The Bad Moons and Freebooters are the next largest groups, both about 15% as the Bad Moons focus more on buying and selling their loot to other orcs, they would loot a world for the sake of selling the loot to other orcs. The freebooters in the cult take their pirate na uh, nature one step further than other freebooters, as they see anything and everything as, bound as booty to plunder. The remaining clans make up the rest of the cult. The Goths in the cult primarily focus on looting melee weapons and armor or other things to make them with. The Evil Sons focus most on looting vehicles and things they can use to go extra fast, often things like aircraft, which they can use to make buggies. The blood axes of the cult are often found uh, looting with great care in orc standards <laughs> to keep... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to keep equipment intact, I'm trying to keep this flowing, uh, as to be used as disguises uh, for commandos or to trick the enemy into thinking they are a different foe, such as using Eldari weapons and equipment to try and trick Imperium forces. This ha has varying levels of success as orcs don't exactly fit in Eldari <laughs> armor very well. Mm -hmm. That would say a long sentence. <laughs> 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 I was like looking for the end of it and I was like, okay. I'm running out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> the snake bites are unique in the way that they, in the way they loot as none of the other clans can loot the things they can. They excel at looting living things such as great beasts. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, more importantly, enslaving the sentient races. The other clans do this sometimes, but the snake bites do this extremely well, being able to break the will of slaves into fighting for them 
such as seeing during the War of the Beast in M- in uh, 554M32. The Ludicult warbands will g- gather in random locations at random times to initiate a great looting, <laughs> which is... <laughs> just a funny word (laughs) a great looting okay uh which is where the war bosses will determine locations with huge amounts of loot that the war bands would not be able to loot alone these are often uh, mistaken as wogs the difference between these great lootings and wogs is that all the war bands still act independently carrying out their own objective and often competing for prime loot, this often causes Imperium forces to fail as they employ tactics against them, assuming they are a single wog with a single leader. Significant Warbands and War Bosses These Orc Warbands are war bosses, are some of the more unique in the cult. There are many more than this that are not really overly significant. Big Wazas, warband of evil sons, believe that they can loot a planet and make it into the biggest and fastest or ship in the galaxy. They have been taking as many ships as possible and crashing them in onto the planet and trying to use their engines to make the planet move. This, on, this has only moves the planet slightly farther away from the star causing many weaker orcs to freeze to death. (laughs) Another really long sentence. Uh, Fixing this is a a low priority. The Ultra Marorcs lead a Robork uh, Gulliwog is a loyalist chapter of Adeptus Astartes. This chapter is hell-bent on hunting down the pretenders led by Reboot Gilliman on account of them being orc blood-axe infiltrators, trying to loot the whole chapter by replacing everyone in the chapter with orcs. Uh, <laughs> I use a robe-orc gulliwog of the ultra-morarchs. We come from the big fleshy man on the char. <laughs> he told us to come here and take all your daka for him. <laughs> the robot... The Robork Gilliwog addressing the crowds on an arriving on a arriving at a human colony after crashing his battle barge into the colony's <laughs> command station. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen the Parmarks Mararks before we is the biggest and the strongest of all or the beakies? Upon being questioned <laughs> about their large appearance by heretic forces posing as Imperium men on an Imperium refueling station. Um, Wazog Fast Killa is an evil son's war boss who insists on using vehicles to go fast, is cheating, and insists of running into battle. Wazog scours the battlefield for footwear and equipment to go faster. Ugzug is the most pow- is the most prominent of the Goths war bosses, leading the Tingits. Ugzog was critically wounded in the, in a battle against Akila Khan piloted by a, a grot who he had bullied all his life. Uzog saw this as a sign that Mork wished for him to, for him the, to become a deaf dread and show orcs that upgrades are great. <laughs> Once he got got his deaf dread he murdered the killer can and wears the grot head on top of his dread. Uzug's warband specializes in both cyborgs and dreads. 
The Arm Boys is a war band of snake bites, known for their mush- uh, for their mushrooms that make them have extra arms and slight purple skin, whose leader has never been seen except by his fellow Arm Boys. The Arm Boys are known for cultivating and consuming an absurd amount of mushrooms, which no one has ever seen and feed to orcs lucky enough to be chosen. Uh, I think fed to orcs lucky enough to be chosen. The orcs who are uh, who. The orcs who are choses always come back from the secret mushroom caves. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like uh, an orc wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> D- different. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the orcs who are choses always come back from the secret mushroom caves differently. They suddenly will do anything the arm boys say, and the spores they produce uh, make special orcs who sometimes have three arms and slightly purple skin, which outside of the arm boys are normally killed as they aren't orky enough. These arm boys loot any and all living things or biomass. They can send them uh, off far away to top secret locations. Many of the orcs in the clan in, in the clan dislike the arm boys, but no one has managed to ever kill their leader, and they don't seem to be doing anything nefarious. Oh, well, thank you, Liam, for the cult of Luda. The the one thing I really like about this, because this is a critique about 40k orc lore, is how there's only one cult, the cult of speed. It never quite makes sense to me. We talked about this, Mike. And you never won me over. No one's ever been able to win me over. Why is there only Why one? Why that's a problem multiple with cults. you and not a problem with anyone else? Yeah. Well, no. Cause no, no, no. You, Fix you, yourself. The lore is fine. Fix yourself. No, no, no. You, you agree, don't <laughs> I you? Do. I yeah, do. Yeah. Eric no, agrees. Why? When we're, it's weird that there is only one cult. Yeah. Why? Because what? Why can't there be speed one Speed doesn't seem to yeah, be like it, the only factor for like the need for a cult in orc culture yeah like why why on one edge of the galaxy is there a cult of speed and then also in a completely unrelated instance of orc growth they also develop their own cult of speed but there's no such thing as the cult of explosions yeah or the cult of um self-mutilation or whatever like the cult of anything can be created created yeah um and like it's just like if you like why do they only have the religion of gork and mork no 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 but like here's the thing like if you like going fast why are you not just an evil sons because that's what evil sons like to do so why look it's not my favorite position so, uh, but, but there's no reason it shouldn't it. exist. No, no I'm not no. saying it shouldn't exist. I'm I just, just saying think there should others be more. should. Yeah, like oh. I like that there is the cult of Luna. Yeah, like I like that. There, sh- I, there, there shouldn't there, just. There's be nothing one. wrong with the cult of speed, but you should not say there's only one cult, and you should say that there's avenues open for other cults. Yeah, which is never said anywhere. So Liam, <laughs> I can't remember my last position on this, so I can't even argue it. Um, because I kind of agree with you, but I know it's wrong, and I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> we'll revisit this Sounds later like we're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, uh, Liam, no, I like it. I Obviously, it's orc stuff, so it's always super funny. I really enjoy listening to Jordan giggle. <laughs> <laughs> While he reads, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the long run-on sentences. <laughs> the, what <laughs> I really like is, so in our last orc episode that we talked about, yeah. we talked about... Um, when specific war bosses lead wogs and how sure. the, the face of the wog changes sure. depending on who's leading it, right? Yeah. And I kind of like how, I don't know, like we must have had this for a long time now, right? Oh, yeah. It's not oh, like yeah. this was given to us after that episode. No. But he kind of 
um, latched onto that same idea. Yeah. Right. And that same feeling when he's talking about how like people mistake it for a regular walk, but really like it's not. And there's like a difference between it. And this yeah. is the difference is that there's actually multiple different people trying to vie for looted things. Yeah. I like that. It's that's like a, I think a decent portion of being and writing in orc lore is differentiating between the fact that your wah looks completely different from someone else's. I think it's cool to share yeah. what your individual one looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously th- these all would translate so well onto tabletop, which is what I always kind of like too. Yeah, like just the conversion possibilities, <laughs> like the the ultra ultra more orcs. Yeah, I want to see know? that whole right? army like, realized on tabletop. I- exactly, like it's just yeah. I I typically appreciate grim dark orcs more than comical orcs, but I still like comical orcs. Yeah. It still is enjoyable. Yeah, there's like you can like both. No one's saying no, you, I can't. No, you can't. No, I'm, a, I'm a singular. There can only be so. one cult of speed and yeah. there can only be <laughs> funny orcs or angry orcs. Yeah, I see. Pick one. I don't live in your small world, Black Christian. <laughs> Closed-minded. Yeah. Looting sentient species is always that fun. That was a wild here. one. The big beasts that they loot. <laughs> and the snake bites break their will. Yeah. Uh, good times. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just simple. It's kind of hard lore. to screw up orcs, too. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, they're, they're, they can be so wacky that like it's hard to break lore with them unless you say something completely out of left field with them but even then you could almost explain a reason why if you come up with a good reason for them doing something you can make it up sure. like an orc gulliman for example <laughs> yeah yeah i liked it i enjoyed it okay. i enjoyed reading it <laughs> did you jordan it was a ride that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> these run on sentences keep you keep you guessing any other yeah. thoughts the mushrooms are fun it's all fun oh yeah i, like I the think mushrooms. mushrooms are fun i don't know if uh, I'm reading into it, but the uh, in Warhammer Fantasy they have the, the goblins with like the spider goblins who have like yeah, six yeah. limbs. Yep. Is that what he's? Is he trying to include those in his army, which is why he's got the arm boys? Hmm. That's what I read into it. Hmm. If what was this guy's name? Liam. Liam if you're listening, yeah. if you want to reach out to us and let us know. Like if he just uses those in a couple of yeah, his is that models? like what his idea was behind? That was the only one that kind of stood out to me as like borderline hmm. heresy. Okay. But uh, other than that, interesting. Even that, like, if he's got a good explanation. Orc. <laughs> that, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, that's his explanation. It's orc. Cool. Moving on. All right. I think we're done with that one. Um, thanks for sharing. Uh, now we're going uh, to go on to William. So this is called Vengeance for Rin's World, the Loki Sector uh, 018.M42. For the first time in over a century, Pedro Cantor and the Crimson Fists were embarking on a crusade. A crusade of vengeance against the filthy green-skinned Xenos that had almost caused the complete <laughs> inhal- <laughs> inhalation of this prolific chapter. I'm assuming it's annihilation. No, no, no. There's no underlying, inha- squiggly underlying. That's the it. word. <laughs> they inhaled it. Following the large-scale... Reinforcement by Rebuke Gilliman during the Indominus Crusade, the Crimson Fists were back to near full strength. Uh, the force led by Pedro Cantor, the chapter master, is made up of the first uh, Crusade company. This incru- includes who, a name of the Crimson Fists, Eustace Mendoza of the Crimson Fist, Chief Librarian. We got another name, the Chief Apothecary. We got another name, the High the name. Chaplain. It's Kyrian Droga, the Chief Apothecary. Yeah, I got that part. And Mark Coy? 
It's Q-O-I. So I think it's a hard K sound. Anyways, Marquois or Marcoy Tomasi, the high chaplain. Uh, several lieutenants. He didn't name these ones, though. Just so They're not guys, as important. Just so you don't think I'm skipping over these oh, ones' yeah, names. Yeah. Uh, led to the rest of the force, which comprises of the surviving veterans of the ch- uh, chapter. The remaining dreadnoughts and a large number of new Primaris Astartes. The Primaris Marines, although untested in battle, are all clad in the new Mark uh, 10 Space Marine power armor and are carrying an array of new weapons with which the Crimson Fists are eager to bring to bear. The Crusade Company are abroad, their very own battle barge, uh, Rutilus Tyrannus. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this is being escorted by half a dozen cruiser-class vessels and a dozen frigates. The Crimson f- Crimson's Fists... Was, is that an intentional one? The second founding chapter developed from the old legion of the Imperial Fist. They have developed a reputation as a steadfast yet clinical fighting force. Often up against staggering odds, they have always shown great zeal and prevailed where other Astartes might not have. They now carry with them lessons learned from recent times and a focus on the bigger picture rather than personal glory. The Crimson Fist's first target is the planet of Bad Landing captured by the orc prior to the invasion of Rin's world. The planet's communications facilities and airports are the first to be hit, followed by the radar stations and the supply depots. Uh, With all these cleared, the way will be paved for the supporting troops to land. Once bad landing is taken, they will push on, take back the entirety of the Loki sector in the name of the Emperor. So he actually sounds like he's doing a narrative campaign, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the setting for it, and then he has... Uh, missions. So read those. Mission one, uh, or commu- or communication facility. Crimson Fists have have to hold key objectives at the end of the fourth round. If they do, <clears throat> if they do so, they deploy the last but get first turn in the final battle. So mission two, orc supply depot. Crimson Fists have to destroy the orc supply dumps. If the if complete, the orcs are limited to two heavy support options in the final battle. And mission three, the final battle. Kill points with extra points awarded for the Slay the Warlord. Uh, the scene is set based on the results of the first two games. Yeah, so it looks like he probably plays Crimson Fists. Yeah, yeah, and he must have a buddy who plays Orcs. Yeah, and they just built this little narrative yeah. around um, three games they played. Yeah, William, if you actually ended up playing this. Yeah, who won? Yeah, let us know how that it's went. incomplete story. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I kind of like that. Like, uh, I don't... I wish our group did this more where we did a little more narrative campaigns. Yeah, I don't even like playing, but I definitely play narrative like, campaigns. It do, like this, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but it just adds that level. You're going to write them? Oh, yeah, I'm a great wordsmith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is fun to do them like that. <gasps> yeah. It's a little bit, a little bit of more meaning when you do them. Yeah. But it, there is some effort involved, and obviously oh, yeah. William wrote this with the expectation like he included his uh chapter master and it looks like the crusade company so his chief librarian he has a chief apothecary and a high chaplain uh, i'm curious how many of those are real because i know obviously pedro Cantor's is real i know uh the first crusade company's real yeah but like is he led by you Eustace know like mendoza. is eustace mendoza yeah yeah, yeah he is okay I nice Googled it. Uh, and Kyrian um, Droga. chief librarian of crimson fists he was killed during the invasion of ryan's world ah so hold on a second hmm. does he got primaris marines coming into this yeah because they're taking it back no no yeah Did so, i misunderstand this so 
Because the invasion the, of Ryan's world happened in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine, eight, nine. And then Reboot Gilliman came and reinforced them. And then since they're full strength again, then they went on a crusade of yeah, their own. This is vengeance for Rin's world. Yeah, yeah. Not right. invasion of Rin's world. Okay. So this yeah. would be the second one. Because the chief librarian is dead as of 989 M41. Yeah, okay. So before the primaries are brought into the... Uh-oh. 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 We found well, oh, we thought you were going to get away with tisk, this. Yeah. Tisk, tisk. Kyrian Droga is the chief apothecary of the Crimson Now Fist. I have to look them all up now. His fate after the invasion of Rin's world is currently unknown. It'd be kind of cool if you would say he was lost upon that world and they came back, what, uh, 20 years later and found him. When when was the Battle of Rin's world? I'm assuming it's 989 M41. I guess. Um, I was just on the bio page, so I don't know if that's actually the battle or the date of his death. Mm. Making Anyways, us fact check everything. Yeah, all this is going to do is make us go a rabbit hole and make sure every single <laughs> every one detail is, is correct. See that, and that that's a perfect example of why it's so tough, borderline not good, to mm-hmm. write about established lore. Yeah. Is because if you make one mistake... Look you, what you just did to us. You can't claim... <laughs> I oh, hate this story. This, this is the worst story I've ever this read. This isn't like a problem with William or anything. It's just a problem... Like, it's a... Yeah. Like, you gotta be very careful. specific and careful, yeah, about yeah. what you're writing. And then and then what happens when... Um, you know, so he writes this, and then... GW Ninth really edition, book. Yeah, yeah, it comes out and they they override this. Right, so there exactly. was no Crusader company. It's just like ah, oh. that's a little unfortunate. But the his story would still exist. Again, it's not to say not to write it. Some some people can come up with some really cool alternative oh, ideas. Yeah. Like oh, what if Rebukulman did this, or yeah. you know, what if Calgar did that? Yeah, yeah. So nine eight nine M forty one was the invasion of Rin's world. Okay. I didn't know it was like right recent. Yeah, me neither. Well, I recent. thought it was older. I mean, yeah, we're still like a thousand. No, that's way it's more than that. But I mean we're two hundred past forty K. Or forty. No, it's just like it was nine 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 for so long that it mm. wasn't nine nine nine. Right? Like nine eight nine M forty one was probably like a thousand years ago compared to where we are now. Because there's just mm-hmm. added years in the middle that they just like blanked out and we're like, all right, we don't know when this happened. Anyways, I know what there you're was saying. In M42, Rin's, <laughs> agree world, with it, Rin's world is engulfed by demonic armies, spilling from the newly formed Great Rift. So this this would be after the Great Rift, obviously. It's yeah. in 018 M42. It would, you should have <laughs> taken a look because there's demons <laughs> on this planet. <laughs> just the yeah. plot holes are just coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. So I like, I, don't, I like this. I like the idea of it, but it's so easy to poke holes at. Sure, and obviously and it's not you're playing. Fair. It's what... not super fair of me to do. No, but you submitted it. You yeah, submitted it. Exactly. You're, you're opening yourself up for criticism. Yeah. There's even a map of uh, a portion of Rin's world. There's a map of yeah. Rin's world. Very cool. Yeah, I heard. I heard Rin's world. The book was very good. They they did a good job with uh, Space Marine and uh, citizen interactions because mm. like there's uh, Pedro Cantor and I forget his buddy's name. Uh, they they're falling around. Like Would the, it happen to be Eustace Mendoza? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, they're falling around like a and protecting like a squad of humans during this whole invasion. It's very cool to see like that that interaction. I might pick it up. That actually interests me a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I hear. <laughs> so and only I ever will hear because you'll never know for sure. <laughs> yeah, you'll never read it yourself. No. Marquatomasi. I'm not getting anything on Lexicon. Yeah, I tried that. googling that one too. But cool. Yeah. Yeah, William, you should uh, let us know what happened. Yeah, tell us if you won the battle against the orcs or not. Did you recapture bad landing? Yeah. Did the demons show up? <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, 
So Bad Landing is a different thing than Rin's World. Yeah, like they, they went on a crusade and the first planet they came across was Bad, Bad Landing. Bad Landing. Yeah, Rin's World uh, is the, okay. the, the Crimson Fist's homeworld. Yeah, it's their homeworld, but yeah. it's now covered by demons. Good. Well, not covered by, but it's been assaulted. Infested? It's been insulted by uh, a couple and demons. And then also after being assaulted by Oryx. Yeah. Right, but the Indominus Crusade did save them. Probably. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, yeah, William, tell us who won your... Uh, I just found the chief apothecary of the... Uh, Solarian Verandis. <laughs> no, your daddy's not. Kyrian Droga just disappeared in 989 M41. So he was. <laughs> We're just like fact checking all this stuff. He's like, I regret submitting that lore so badly. I'll never do it again. Uh, yeah, anyways, that's. um. Listen to Lower Lit yeah. number seven. Number seven. Anyone else have any more? Yusus Mendoza is a chief librarian. Did we do that one already? Yes. What was the other <laughs> one? That was the first for? one. Not oh. that Marqua Thomasy doesn't exist. Sometimes they don't have an article. Yeah, he does exist. <laughs> He's a high chaplain. Deceased. <laughs> Son of, of a bitch! As of 989M41. Marqua Tomasi. Date of death is 989M41. That sounds about right. Sounds Killed like in Rin's, the invasion of Ryan's world. Sounds like Rin's world uh, <laughs> kind of fucked over <laughs> did, the Didn't chapter. have a great time. <laughs> did not have a great time. No. No. Yeah. So it looks like he's kind of writing a story where all these people were alive during the invasion of Rin's world. But a lot Maybe of we're misunderstanding it. Yeah, it, it's very possible that we're misunderstanding something. No, what are we misunderstanding? There's He's like just, a time frame that's Yeah, wrong. like is he skipping over time that we are No, saying? you know what? So there's one line, following the large-scale reinforcement by Reboot Gilliman yeah. during the Indominus Crusade, which yeah. happened in M42, yeah. which is after the invasion of Rin's world, in which case three of those guys are dead yeah. or disappeared. I think I'm pretty sure they said. Kyrian Droga is just unknown. Okay, well, two out of the Yeah, two of them are dead. And don't even get me started on those several lieutenants. (laughs) (laughs) Are they? they, They're primaris lieutenants, obviously. (laughs) There's so much variety. I love that this happened, to be honest with you. I wasn't (laughs) expecting to go down this road, and I'm glad. (laughs) It's one of the first times I think we've actually been able to fact check someone's listener lore. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we don't really do that too often. Well, but, it's just but it's, when you give hard dates, yeah, it's hard like, dates or char- named characters, named characters, you hard like dates, and a like a very prominent chapter with yeah. a lot of information written. Yeah, it's also we did it a little bit during the uh, Dark Angel story last. Yeah, listener lore. Yeah, yeah, we talked a little bit about how it's kind of tough to write in established lore, and this is even. What is even more involved in <laughs> yeah. that, right? Like, yeah. Stepped on a couple of line that mines, William. I wish this <laughs> wasn't the last one we did because I don't know how many people are going to listen this far in. This is good. I like this. This is why I do this. <laughs> it's the thrill I get. <laughs> By telling people it's... It's wrong. <laughs> God. Well, uh, thank you for submitting your stories, guys. As always, uh, send us an email at lorehammerpodcast at uh, gmail.com. I read online that um, it's a common courtesy that if a podcast reads out your lore, it's common send courtesy to send a tip of five dollars <laughs> to our Patreon. Where'd you read that? Uh, the Mark Sikora's I, I totally agree. Com. Yeah, yeah totally you read heard. that article too, totally right, Jordan? Yeah, Jordan read, read that too. Yeah, yeah. Read no, it's somewhere on. Uh, was it from the travel uh, blog of Mark? Yeah, it was somewhere on. <laughs> yeah, I read, yeah. That. I read that too. That's it, that sounds about right. So just keep that in mind for all you people that we've read stories about, so or for. And you know what? I've heard that if you give extra money, your story goes up the uh, waiting list. That I, is unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. <laughs> no, we, no. We do not accept bribes. I, I am easily bought. <laughs> Lord Hammer is not. Mark is very easily bought. A uh, job and a bag of chips. That's all. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.